Good morning, Lake Gibson family and friends and Facebook family and friends. Amen. We're so glad to have you with us. We're so glad you joined us on the internet today on Facebook or YouTube or whatever you're on. Thank you for being here with us. I remind you that the best way to get in touch with us is probably through email. Those email addresses are office at lakegibsonumc.com. If you would like to send something straight to me, pastor at lakegibsonumc.com. I will see either one of them, but if you want it to be personal, you can send it to the pastor address. Also, check our website for updates on the things that are going on, and that's very easily, again, it's lakegibsonumc.com is our webpage uh, there. You can also check our Facebook page at Lake Gibson United Methodist Church. If you're on Facebook or even on YouTube and others, please share those uh, links with your family and friends. Um, engage them. Also, send them to them, tell them they need to watch this, and give them the, the locations to do so. Interact with us on Facebook and YouTube and on email. Send us your praises, send us your prayer request. You can even send me questions, and we can discuss things that I may say in the sermon, if you would like. Just send them to that pastor address. Need to remind you about next Sunday, October the 18th at 430 that will be our charge conference. There are two ways that you can participate. You can come here and social distance and wear the mask, and we're going to set a camera up in here so we can zoom it from here. It's actually a Zoom conference. You can go to the website, and there's a link there. You have to sign up in advance, and it will be on Zoom. Zoom's on the Internet. You can watch it from your home or from wherever you may be with your phone or whatever on Zoom and participate that way if you would like to do that. But again, you need to pre-register for that, and they'll send you the link. So go to our website, LakeGibsonUMC.com, and Dwight has a link there that you click on to register for that conference. Immediately following the annual conference, or the charge conference, we will have a church meeting also. Now, if you're watching on Zoom, you're going to have to back out, log off, go back to the website, and log on to another Zoom account, which is our account, for the church meeting. We'll have that as soon as the charge conference is over. I'm guessing it'll be between 5.15 to 5.30. There is a special called conference there, and what we're discussing is the endowment fund. So if you're interested, please stay around and log on next week for that. Don't forget that at 11.30 each Sunday morning, we have Zooming the Peace hosted by Dwight and Phyllis. Thank you, Dwight and Phyllis, for doing that. You can Log on to Zoom, and through that, you can see the little squares if you've been on Zoom. Everybody here knows what Zoom is and has been on them now, right? Because I'm, I'm assuming that because I have to be on them about six to eight times a week. Uh, your faces come up in little square boxes and stuff, and you can actually talk back and forth, and we do that at 1130. I also host a Zoom Bible study every Thursday at 1 p.m. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this week, so if you would like to read that and join us on Zoom... On that particular one, you need to send Christy an email or call Christy at the office, and she will send you the link. It's the same link every week if you've ever joined before, but if you've never been on with us, you'll need to get the link for the first time, and then you'll have it. So, let's go to God in prayer at this time. Father, we come to you and we thank you for this beautiful, glorious day that you have given us. Even more, Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son, as you shared with all the world. Thank you for your love that reached down from heaven and picked each one of us up out of the miry clay, as we say, and put our feet on the rock of Jesus Christ this day. 
Now, as we come to you this day, open our minds to hear your word. Open our hearts to praise you and to just rejoice in your presence this day. Wherever we may be, in a sanctuary, in a car traveling, in a hotel room, in a living room, or wherever, let us realize this is now your sacred place, and we are in worship to you. We ask in your holy name. Amen. Bob Willoughby, would you come up and, well, you've got, you've got a special you got to sing first, don't you? Sing your special, then lead us. Thank you.
Amen. Our first tip this morning is out of Coachbury. In fact, all our hymns this morning will be out of Coachbury. And the first one is on page 91 in the Coachbury book. I will sing the wondrous story. Please stand as you are able.
Thank you, Bob Choir. Those of you on Facebook, go ahead and hit like. Get that clap emoji going for them. Tell them what great job they're doing. Thank you. Amen. And yeah, I hope you know what it's like since Jesus came into your heart, how he's changed you. And if you do, if you're on the internet, go ahead and send me an email. Let me know what change Jesus has wrought in your heart. And if you need to know more about this, hey, what happens here, email me. We'll, we'll correspond back and forth or give me your phone number. I'll pick up the phone and call you and, and tell you what change has been wrought in my heart since Jesus came into it. And we can talk about that. Well, guess what? Everybody knows what's going on November 3rd, right? You don't know what's going on November 3rd? The election. Yeah, and we're in that kind of final push, aren't we? Am I the only one that is tired of the commercials on TV? Or the mailbox full of flyers that tell me why or how I need to vote? Or the phone calls, does anybody else get the phone calls from all the different parties and the people? And Oh, I'm so-and-so. Yeah, well, good. Um, you know. And then, see, as a pastor, I get special emails. Emails that tell me why I need to encourage you to vote a certain way because this is what happens if you do or if you don't. And you've probably noticed there are a lot of influential people that are promoting particular candidates, candidates, including pastors. Um, and I know they mean well. And I agree that we all need to be involved in the community. And I agree that we need to live into our faith. And by that, I mean we need to allow our faith to help us make decisions and decisions about who our leaders will be. Yet, even as I say that, I trust God to lead you and to lead me as we make our choices. I trust God that he will use our faith in such a way that as we go into the booth, we'll vote according to the way he leads us. And he may not lead all of us the same way. Do your research. Think about your convictions and your faith. And pray. I don't know how many people pray before you mark the ballot. Pray as you walk into the booth if you vote physically. Lord, help me as I do this. May you guide me and trust God. Let me tell you why I say that. It's been another eventful week in sports for Florida, hasn't it? The Rays are in the playoffs. No, John, we're not talking about Jimbo Fisher and that thing yesterday or any of that. We're not talking about that. And my two favorite teams, baseball is my game. My two favorite teams are still in it. It's the Rays and the Braves. I used to have this dream that the Rays would play the Braves, and I'd decide who I wanted to pull for in the 10th inning of the seventh game. <laughs> but they're both still in the playoffs. But as we approached that game Friday when it was 2-2 two to two and whoever went in would go home, and you know, I'm thinking, but even as I'm thinking, I'm praying for those people that were fixing to be hit by that hurricane too. And I was thinking about God, and God, do you really care who wins a silly game? And this thought occurred to me. I wonder, I wonder if by somebody losing a game, somebody would be so depressed that God would then be able to reach into their life and pick them up, and they would come to know him, and they've never known him before. 
or, or possibly by winning the game, somebody gets such prestige, if you will, that they have the venue that they can then promote God and tell them what he did for their life, and lives will be changed then. And I thought to myself, you know what? I never did really pray for a winner or a loser. I just prayed for, every, for everybody to be safe and stuff. But maybe I ought to start praying, God, whatever it takes for your will to be made known and for people to come to Jesus Christ, and let me live with it. But if I can be assured that that's going to be the way you work, I don't care who wins or loses. And then I thought this. What if we had the same thoughts and prayers for our elections? Doesn't matter if it's blue or red, no matter which way I believe. If I can trust God that whichever one wins, God, you're going to see us through it, and this is for your kingdom, and you're going to make the best outcome of it. Wow. Well, that's just the way I've been thinking this week, and he kind of came as I started preparing for this sermon. I'm actually preaching out of the lectionary this morning, which I very seldom do, but uh, it, for those of you who don't know, the lectionary is a, is a reading that takes you, in three years, will take you through most of the Bible, and it has a reading from the Old Testament, from the Psalms or Proverbs, from the Gospels, and from the New Testament in it. And this particular one is taken from Matthew chapter 22. Before I talk about this scripture, I need to set the stage. Jesus has been talking with the scribes and the Pharisees, with the other people around him. He's been teaching them. He's just told them a parable about heaven. And in this parable, a landowner was gone and sent his son to collect the rent from the farmers, and the farmers killed him. Matthew 21, verses 45 to 46, we read this then. The chief priest and the other Jewish leaders realized Jesus was talking about them, that they were the farmers, the ones who killed the son. They wanted to get rid of him, because, but they were afraid to try because the crowds thought he was a prophet. In other words, when Jesus was talking about heaven, the religious leaders, the church leaders of the day, found out they weren't the good guys in the white hat. And they didn't want to change to become that. They decided rather than change and become the good guys in the white hat and let Jesus talk to us and teach us, we're just going to get rid of him. He knows this. But then he goes on and he tells them another parable found in Matthew 22. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, even at home. Stand and just show that this is special as we read God's Word. Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14, and I'm reading out of the Living Bible, and I'll explain why in a few minutes. Jesus told several other stories to show what the kingdom of heaven is like. For instance, he said, it can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding dinner for his son. Many guests were invited, and when the banquet was ready, he sent messengers to notify everyone it was time to come. But all refused. So he sent other servants to tell them, everything's ready. The roast is in the oven. Hurry. But the guests he had invited merely laughed, went on about their business, one to his farm, another to his store. Others beat up his messengers 
and treated them shamefully, even killing some of them. Then the angry king sent out his army and destroyed the murderers and burned their city. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. The guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants did. And they brought in all they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the wedding robe provided for him. Friend, he asked, how does it happen that you are here without a wedding robe? The man had no idea, had no reply. The king said to his aides, bind him hand and foot. Throw him out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated here and at home. Let us think through this parable in a moment, for a moment. The king's son is getting married. Now, think about something. Think about Jesus Christ being the bridegroom and you and I as a church being his bride. Think about that as we walk through this story. Now, in the day and age that we're reading about when this was spoken, they didn't have the U.S. Post Office. Nor did they have Pony Express or email. People had to physically go and invite people. The people that the king's talking to, they already knew that the wedding was take place. They had already been given an RSVP, if you will, and they had responded and said, we'll be there. So the king sends word out to him, says, hey, come on to the castle. The meal's ready. But the people didn't come. Not only did they not come, they beat some of his servants that went to fetch them and killed others. All because they took them the news, hey, the party's ready, y'all come on. They reacted in that way. The king was furious, as I would be. And the king sent his army and let's just be nice, he wiped them off the face of the earth, okay? Hey, y'all don't treat my people that way. But the wedding was still on. The food was still ready. The band was still tuning up. They're ready to go. They're ready to play. But nobody's there. The son's still getting married. And the king says to his servants, go, fill this place. Get people off the streets. Bring them in. Now, let me stop for just a moment. Most scholars will tell us that this parable Jesus is telling is illustrating how Israel has reacted to God's prophets into Jesus Christ as he sent him. And that is certainly true. The, they rejected his prophets, they beat his prophets, they killed him the same way they do Jesus. But often we see that and we think, well, that's them. This is now. I don't have anything to do with that. But guess what? You and I have responded the same way. We've spoken bad about some people that God has brought into our life. We've, if you will, beaten, and in some cases, maybe killed them with rumors about their integrity, certain people God sent into our life. 
And yet God patiently pleads with us. So, back to the parable. The service went out. Notice what it said. It said they got the good and the bad. They went out and they got everybody. Think back to last week when we were talking about the kingdom of heaven and what it looked like. And that every tribe, every kindred, every nation, every tongue, every language would be present in God's kingdom. They went out and got those people and brought in this wedding feast. Didn't matter if they were Democrat, Republican, or Independent. Didn't matter if they were a Gator or a Knoll, a Ray or a Yankee, or even the Dodgers. They let them all in. Didn't matter. Party was going on. Everybody was invited. So they're all there. And the party's going on. And then the king makes his entrance. And as the king comes in, he sees this man standing there that did not have the wedding clothes on that he had provided. He gave everyone a wedding robe. But this one particular, I'll call call him a gentleman for now, was standing there in his street clothes, and they were dirty and ragged. The king walked up and said, friend. Notice he called him friend. He didn't call him scumbag like I may have. He said, hey, friend, where's your wedding robe? And he had no answer. And in this parable, Jesus says the king said, bind him hand and foot and throw him out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a symbol. That's the way they referred to what you and I would refer to hell, a place without God. And I've always thought this up until the last 10 or 12 years maybe. I thought, man, that's unfair for that man, isn't it? Because when you go to the other scriptures in other versions other than the Living Bible, it doesn't mention the fact that the king provided clothes for him. It's presumed, but you very seldom hear it brought out. Because I thought this was unfair. But think with me a minute. I'm in this room. I'm in the king's presence. I'm in God's presence. The king is represented by God. How did I get there? Because there's a certain decorum when you enter God's presence, isn't there? And we don't enter on our own because remember what it says? All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is none of us righteous, no, not one, except as we put on and are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we have the faith in his atonement for us. We come in in the garment of white because of the blood of Christ which flowed down the cross at Calvary. Because of our faith, that's how we come in. And the analogy here in this parable is this gentleman who still was dressed in street clothes had come in another way. That means he didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. He didn't put on the robe of righteousness. He came in supposedly, his thinking, on his own merits. I can imagine. I can, I can just imagine the situation. You need to put this on, sir. Uh, I don't need that. I'm good enough. Everybody else has it. You need to put this on. No, I don't need it. I'll go on in. Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.9. Paul said that to become one with him, that being Jesus Christ, we no longer count on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws by walking in our own clothes, if you will. 
but by trusting Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, counting on Christ alone. In other words, you don't get in without Christ. He put it this way again in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Because of his kindness, you've been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourself. It too is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done, though none of us can really take credit for it. It's all about Christ. Now, Sue Heishman and I, we have this thing we talk about often about the Bible, and I compare the Bible to being an onion. You don't know what an onion is. Everybody's peeled an onion, right? You keep pulling off, and there's a layer under each layer, and it keeps going deeper. Let's pull a layer off here. As I've already mentioned, I've been on several Zoom classes over the past few weeks. There's a new buzzword for the church online. Y'all know what buzzwords are, right? Those words that are used a lot. And here's the buzzword and the buzz uh, thought for now. For those people online, how do we engage people online? Now, this is going to go further than engaging people online is how do we engage people here physically? Are they just watching you on TV or on the Internet? Are they just watching us? Or are they participating with us in some way? In other words, the questions we're asking is, are they tracking with us, so to speak? Are they practicing their faith? Are they talking about the content that's delivered that they get? Are they speaking with their friends about it? Are they talking at work about it? Are they having conversations? Are they even emailing us back and forth and exchanging information? Now, let's go back to the parable Jesus told. And let's think differently. As the people come into that room, into that celebration, think about them. Especially those with the robes on. They're engaged. Y'all remember back when you could go to weddings a year or so ago, right? You remember those things way back then. When you went in and you went in with a certain decorum on your clothes, didn't you? You didn't go in dressed in street clothes, unless that was their power for that one. And when you went in, you sang the songs. You clapped at the proper, proper times, didn't you? You toasted the bride and the groom. Most of you would say, oh, isn't he handsome? Or, wow, she's very beautiful today. You know, we had certain decorum we used. We were actually engaged in participating in that wedding, right? This guy apparently isn't. This guy's apparently not engaged. He comes in, I don't need no robe. I, I can just, I just imagine him. I envision him this way. Dick, you'll appreciate this. I, vi- I envision him with a big plate of barbecue. And he's standing on that plate with that plate of barbecue, and he's munching it back here, but he's still got his clothes on. He's not singing. He's not participating. He's, not do- he's just kind of looking around, just observing, if you will. And if somebody does speak to him, he may answer, but it's with no joy. There's no celebration going on in him. He's really just there for the food or because he was made to come. He's that person that used to come to church and sit in the back pew with his arms folded and take a nap when I preached. You know? He's that person that sits there and listens but never says a thing, but he's here for every meal. But don't ask him to help in the kitchen or 
Don't ask them to teach Sunday school or don't ask them to come to a Sunday school class even. They take advantage of everything, but they don't serve it anyway. They're not engaged. They're not a part of the community, if you will. The faith does not affect his actions in any way. In fact, if you were to go to his job, his co-workers do not even know that he attends church, and they have a nickname for him. His nickname is Mr. Crab off of SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. Think about it. That's the way I read this. This is what this gentleman, this person looks like. His faith doesn't affect his actions. He's not engaged. So here's the question. Are you engaged? Are you engaged with us, with God? And some people may say, and I've been asked this question, how do we engage in an electronic world when many people are watching online? Well, you help others. You engage by being a part of a mission field. You can volunteer at your church here. I mean, we need ushers, we need choir members, we need some people who are tech-savvy that can help us in the sound booth, in the video. Uh, We need a second team for that right now. But we also need people with manual labor. Tom Burns and the trustees can put a lot of people together to have manual labor to do some things in the church. I mean, there are ways. Not only that, if you don't feel comfortable coming back in person at a time, or if you live in a different state or a different town, that's fine, but you can engage there. You can help at your local homeless shelter. You can help with the Salvation Army, even if it's nothing but ringing a bell at Christmas. You can check on your elderly neighbor down the road. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they've got what they need. You can mentor at school. You might coach a youth sports team. There are many ways you can engage. But when I say engage, what I mean is you allow your faith to dictate what you do outside the church and what you do in your regular life. You allow your faith to tell you how to act toward people. You allow your faith to tell you the mindset and the attitude that you will have toward others. If you don't, If you don't allow your faith to change you, my interpretation of the parable, you're that man in the dirty clothes without the robe of righteousness. The question today is, are you engaged or not? Are you participating or are you just watching? Or let's put it this way. Are you part of the family, the family of God? Are you just an unwilling guest here because you have to be? Amen. I invite you to think about that this week. I invite you to engage with that in your own life, to meditate on that and see where do you find yourself. And then let me know. Engage with us. Respond. Send us an email. Call us. Talk to us. However you can do it, let us know. We'll talk about it. And I invite you that you can help this ministry. And it's not just about us. We're reaching out with the food bank, with the Hope House, with the schools. Uh, Dwight took another load of bicycles over to the children's home uh, this week. 
I mean, we've got many outreaches that are still going and are actually being taxed more than normal because of the situation. But you can help support this ministry. You could send your checks or your tithes or your offerings to us at Lake Gibson UMC at 424 West Daughtery Road in Lakeland, Florida. You can also give by text. That text number is 833-758-0308. You can go to our website. Remember what it was, those of you here. What is our website? LakeGibsonUMC.com. Go there. You can give one time or you can set up reoccurring giving. So hopefully you have sent in your prayer request. Christy, do we have prayer request? Okay. We're asked to pray for Ms. Nita Davis, Nita and all others currently in nursing homes. I know that Bill, uh, Bill Webb's also in one, uh, recovering from hip surgery, so we want to continue to pray for him. Uh, for Becky, Becky is Sharon Hughes' sister. She's currently in the hospital in Georgia. She has COVID too, COVID and an enlarged heart. I want to continue to, to lift up um, Nancy Capella. Nancy fell and broke some ribs and other things. She was released this uh, Friday, I believe it was. She is at home, and they have home health coming in. We want to continue to pray for her recovery. Good to see you here, Barbara Allen, but continue to pray for Barbara Allen Cole as she recovers from her broken leg and some of the other things that are going on that she still has doctor's appointments for. And Nealon says, ask for prayers for the Overcash McRoberts Thurgland family. Jodell McRoberts and Todd Thurgeland lost their daughter in a car accident yesterday. Yes, and let us pray for them and all others. Then Meske has asked us to pray for traveling mercies as she's driving through Nashville, Tennessee, headed south, and she can't wait to see us. Uh, she's particularly talking about you, Sue. Yeah. But we're praying for Lynn and, and that safe travel that she has. Any others? Okay, all right. Uh, of course, you know the hurricane just went through Louisiana and up that way. We want to pray for those people. Um, others that have lost their lives this week, there's been several traffic accidents on I-4 and I-75 and close to our area and people who've been hit in hit and runs and other things that have lost their life. We want to remember all those. So let's go to God in prayer at this time. Father, we come for your throne of grace this day. You who are so good to us. And we give you praise and thanks. As we come, though, Lord, in this world today, it seems like many things are occupying our mind. And we just want to lift those before you. And, Lord, I just want to ask in a particular way that you would break into our life this day. That you would break into us and that you would realize and, and help us to realize how loving, how kind, how merciful you are. And at the same time, help us realize that you want us to reach out to share that love with others. As we come, we know there are many needs, though. There are many people in many ways that we can reach out and help. And we pray for those. We've just read some that have been sent in to us of families that have lost loved ones, of those that are dealing with sickness, those that may even be in hospice care those in nursing homes. And we lift each of them before you, thinking of their names such as Nancy and Nita and others, and we just ask that you would just surround them with your love, that you would allow families to 
Have some good days, some good moments, some laughter even this day. Remind them that you're there with them, that you will walk through them with this also. Pray for your healing power to break out in their bodies. Pray for the doctors and the caregivers that tend to them, that they would do so with compassion and mercy, and also when they don't know what to do, that you would give them the wisdom from above to know how to respond and respond in an appropriate manner. For those, for those that rule over us, Lord, whether it be our Congress, our President, our local enforcement officers, whatever it is, we pray for them. Ask you to guide them, direct them. For our law enforcement and our emergency personnel, keep them safe. Seems like every week when we turn the TV on, there's been another riot, there's been another policeman shot, there's been somebody else killed while policemen were arresting them. And Lord, we know there's two sides of everything. But we just ask that you would protect our policemen and you would also cause them to act justly and mercifully. That you would protect the citizens too. That you would give voice to those that, that have been injustice and inhumanely treated. That you would bring justice there. Pray for our churches. Our churches in this Gulf Central District that will be meeting for charge conference, some are meeting today, some next Sunday, some the following. Pray for the leaders that will be taking office. Ask you to guide them and lead them. Pray for those who are over our church as those conferences continue and will be meeting in the near future. Now, Lord, I ask that you would come into each of our hearts, that you would help us to remember how great you are, how you have changed our life, how you became engaged with us as you left heaven and came to this earth to show us the great love you have for us. We ask in your name. Amen. Now, if Bob would come and lead us in our closing hymn, please.
Thank you, Bob Choir. Praise God that he did step from his ivory palaces into this world, shed his blood for us. Let me pray. Hope to see you back here same time next week. Father, we come to you again, and we thank you that you did love us so much that you came to this earth and died for each of us. Help us to go forth in the righteousness of God to share your love with others in need this day. And to become engaged in such a way that our faith drives our actions and our words. And we give you the praise for all you do. We ask in your holy name. Amen. See you next week.